Hysteria is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And right now, you can get 25% off your entire Books purchase. Here's why everyone likes the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano, which I love. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Erin, I love my books. I love a flower that lasts forever, and my books arrangements really do last a full solid week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have uh, I have some sitting on my kitchen table right now, mm-hmm. and they've been there for several days. And usually when I buy them at, like, the grocery store, they're sort of, like, starting to crap Fade. out pretty quickly. Yep. Not with books. They stick around. They look beautiful. I like how they kind of slowly open up and become even more beautiful as they sit on your, you know, wherever Absolutely, you Absolutely, because they're that fresh. So go to books.com and use promo code hysteria for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code hysteria. Books, promo code hysteria. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Alyssa, why are men's haircuts cheaper than women's haircuts? Like, think about it. Theirs require so much finesse and detail. And when I get my haircut, it's like one inch being taken off and I'm paying $150. Because so much that men do costs less than what we do? <laughs> Look, I, exactly. I love my stylist. He yeah. is worth every penny. Love. I, think, I don't think that women should pay less for haircuts. I just think men should pay more. We should pay the same. We should pay the same for haircuts. Absolutely. That's never going to happen. <laughs> this week, we're joined by Shaniqua McClendon to take on the following questions. Why was E. Jean Carroll's victory in court kind of a surprise? How would a world without no-fault divorce look? Does Elizabeth Holmes deserve a shot at redemption? And how did Mother's Day, Nurses Appreciation Week, and Teacher Appreciation Week end up on the same week. Will we have enough flowers? All this and more right now. All right, you're listening to Hysteria, the podcast that serves cunt, but in a cozy way. Look at this. Who's cozy today? I feel like if we were going to have a cozy off, you are the cozier. I'm a cozy. Well, it's by by, uh, just merit of my climate. (laughs) Right. I, I mean... You know, where I live, everybody's very temperature sensitive. Mm-hmm. So if something is like below 65 degrees, we're wearing like parkas. And if it gets above 80, we're freaking out. But I mean, you're speaking of the other people. You're a Wisconsinite. You know the difference between hot and cold. Nope. I no? don't actually. <laughs> it took like a year and it went away and now I'm a wimp and I can't handle anything. Um, but speaking of someone who is the opposite of a wimp. Oh. Should we tackle the big headline? Aaron, yesterday, in one of the rare occasions that we didn't get Wednesdayed, uh, we got a verdict in the E. Jean Carroll Donald Trump case. And Aaron, Donald Trump was found liable in the case that E. Jean Carroll brought against him. He, the court said that he needed to pay her $5 million because 
they thought he defamed her. And in one of the more curious parts of this case, which we can discuss, he was found guilty of sexual abuse, but not rape. Aaron, what's the difference? I truly don't know, and I'd imagine there's a lot of legalese behind that difference. But what I think is really interesting is because it's a civil trial, they're talking about preponderance of evidence, right? right. And not beyond a reasonable doubt. So right. what they had what the jury had to decide was whether it was more likely than not that he defamed her, or more likely than not that he sexually abused her. And they couldn't agree on on the rape thing. Honestly, I wonder if she's ever going to see that $5 million. Do you think she is? No, I don't. I mean, I think it's a great award. I think that this is, you know, E. Jean's case is the first case of the more than a dozen women who have accused him of sexual misconduct to be successfully tested before a jury. So this is a great thing. But he's going to appeal this. We know he's going to appeal this. It's going to be held up in court forever. So I don't know if she'll ever see the money. But it is uh, it is still better than the alternative. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I wrote something about this um, for the Daily Beast where I moonlight. Um, and I really think that E. Jean Carroll is a hero. Totally. And I'm not, I'm not saying that in like a I'm, – I'm not – exaggerating or, or using hyperbole. I think she's a hero. I think that E. Jean Carroll has been around the block enough to know that there's a certain set of things that tend to happen when a woman accuses a powerful man of sexual assault or misconduct or sex pesthood or you know, whatever. You know, she was around. She was writing. She was in the scene when Anita Hill was being badgered and torn to shreds because she accused Clarence Thomas, one of the worst Supreme Court justices in American history, mm -hmm. um, of, uh, of being a fucking creep to her when she worked for him. Um, she saw the way that, um, you know, sexual assault, sexual harassment was handled in the 90s. She knew. She knew what could happen to her. And yet she was just like, fuck it. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to keep pursuing this anyway. Um, and I just, I find that to be so admirable. And she's so, and, and not that people that that aren't pursuing legal action against Trump aren't tough, uh, but E. Jean is a true icon, I think, of fearlessness yeah. when it comes to this. Um, because the odds were stacked against her and she won. She won. It's incredible. And you know, the jury was made of six men and three women. So he, Donald Trump can't say it was just all the vajayjays that came out for her. I mean, six men and three women thought that he did something wrong. So we'll take it. Yeah. I, I also think, you know, he's he's kind of already out there trying to raise money off of this and mm -hmm. saying he never knew her, even though there's photos of them together at a party. Um He's also he also said that he never had a chance to defend himself, which is not true. He did. He missed the deadline and he didn't. Also, his lawyer's name, this is very immature of me. No, it's okay. I know what you're gonna say and say it. It sounds like taco penis. It, it sounds like I feel like someone's gonna taco pina, but it's almost taco penis, which it, it's an interesting visual, is all I'm saying. I agree. Um so, yeah. Uh, and, and you know, the uh, Trump's lawyer, I, I get it. I think that sometimes in stories like this, the lawyers get uh, dragged. Honestly, their job is to just provide the best possible representation for their client. They're not really, you know, 
they take on a case, I guess, but they don't really have the power to just like be like, well, yeah, I guess you're right in the middle of court. You know what right, I mean? Right, like, totally. We can't, we can't like get mad at most lawyers, but I think that Taco Pina was, Taco Penis, was <laughs> exceptionally an asshole during these proceedings. Um, I, at one point, he asked Eugene, why didn't you scream? Oh, yeah, why didn't you scream? Donald Trump's attacking uh, you. Why didn't you just scream? Uh, I don't know, man. That's that's just mm, that really betrays a fundamental lack of understanding of how mm-hmm. human emotions work um, and how it how things work when you're shocked. But I think overall, this is great. I'm excited about it. I'm I'm uh t- I tend to agree with you, Alyssa. I don't think that. Yeah, I'm not optimistic that she's going to see that money. Um, but it'd be cool if she did. I hope she takes a cool vacation. Yeah, I hope she gets some of it. Yeah, she better. She better. She deserves it and more. Um, I want to segue into something that we have been meaning to talk about Mm. for a few weeks, and we keep pushing it off, but I think now is the time. Um, Conservatives have been quietly coming for no-fault divorce uh, in the U.S. So no-fault divorce is when your marriage can dissolve without either party having to prove wrongdoing on behalf of the other party. So, you know, before no-fault divorce was first legalized in California by a guy named Ronald Reagan in 1969, Mm. um, it was really, really hard to get a divorce in the U.S. Um, Mm -hmm. The people used to move to Nevada because in Nevada it was slightly easier than it was in other places. You just had to live there for six weeks and then you could— pretty much filed for divorce and just say whatever you wanted. But it still was not no-fault divorce. Um, In Alabama, before the Civil War, if you were a couple in Alabama and you wanted to dissolve your marriage, you needed to take the case to the state legislature and obtain a two-thirds majority in both houses. Can you imagine? Your marriage sucks and you have to go to the legislature? You just have to, oh, God, the Alabama legislature, pre-Civil War. Right. Even worse. That is somebody's version of hell. That is like a li- that is literal hell. That somebody's- is actual hell. Anyway, it sounds absolutely terrible. Um, but in other states that weren't as extreme, you had to prove adultery, cruelty, or abandonment. And usually, the party that had done the wrongdoing like fared better after the divorce. So you were sort of in like a standoff with your partner. If both of you were just like, "We just don't want to be married anymore," or like. Mm, You know, this is my husband is emotionally terrorizing me like you can't it's really, really hard to prove what is happening behind closed doors. So a lot of times people would um, get creative. Um, So people who really wanted to get a divorce would like this is this is true. Um, in New York, for example, which didn't legalize no-fault divorce until 2010. So embarrassing for New York. I was so embarrassed Crazy. for New York. Crazy. But before that, you had to prove adultery, cruelty, or abandonment. And mm-hmm. one of the ways that people used to prove adultery was they would, like, hire a detective yeah. to follow around a, one of the spouses, and the spouse would, like, stage— Fake adultery, Aaron, and it then sounds, like, it sounds like a plot line from As the World Turns. Like I think they did this does. in the soaps in the seventies. It truly does. I mean, you had to prove it to a court that like your spouse had cheated on you. So what was happening was all of these people were committing perjury 
in order to get divorced. They were like straight up going and like lying. Like, yeah, I, I, I messed around on my husband because they just really were desperate to get out of marriages. Um, and when no-fault divorce was finally legalized in places like California and then across the country until Slowpoke, New York, finally uh, jumped aboard at the very end, um, there were really, like, positive outcomes, especially for women. Totally. Uh, there, was a, there was a decline in um, suicide, 20%, according to the National Bureau of Economic Research. 20% drop in women committing suicide. Um, rates of domestic violence also dropped. Um, and so, of course, now we are uh, – conservatives are – targeting this. Well, an interesting um, thing, too, a recent statistic was, which we can understand now why conservatives are targeting this, among many other things, two-thirds of heterosexual divorces are initiated by women now. Men would rather change the laws yeah. than do some goddamn housework then every once be in a while. nicer. <laughs> oh, my God. But there's a simpler path to fixing this. It's like... <sighs> They want people to get married and stay married, essentially, is what conservatives say. And no-fault divorce Covenant marriage, Erin. In Texas, they want covenant marriage. I was like, is this big love? Am I watching big love right now? Wait, what's covenant marriage? Explain that. Covenant marriage. It says, so this was in the language that Texas introduced to end no-fault divorce. We urge the legislature to rescind unilateral no-fault divorce laws to support covenant marriage and to pass legislation extending the period of time in which a divorce may occur to six months after the date of filing for divorce. So, Aaron, they believe that... Um, marriages are meant to just be a covenant and you're supposed to stay together even if you hate each other because it's better for the family unit and better for the kids. Oh my God. Yeah. They just want, I mean, I honestly think that that conservatives want women to be forced into a life of indentured servitude to men that they cannot escape. Um, look, I, look, here's the thing about marriage. I'm married. I take it very seriously. I yeah. plan on being married until one of us dies or we both kill each other. Um, but, like, I also think that I, I really am glad that I have the freedom to divorce. And I'm sure you are, too. And, yeah. like, I I think that, like, look, if you think ma if you think marriage is, like, you know, a magic party and you can never break up, then fine. Believe in the magic. Why do you need the law to— back you up? Why do you need, like, this, the power of the state to enforce, like, a contract, essentially, that you signed with another person? It, it doesn't, it doesn't make, like, any well, sense. And, yeah. What I was going to say is that no-fault divorce is so accepted. It's actually, you know, colloquially, colloquially, however you say that word, it's irreconcilable differences. This is kind of how we hear it referred to. People get divorced for irreconcilable differences. There was a movie about it in like the 70s or early 80s. And from the 70s or early 80s, we now have the RNC in 2016 actually talking about this at their convention. They considered adding language to their platform that said children are made to be loved by both natural parents united in marriage. So here's my question. Then are they cool with no-fault divorce if you don't have kids? Like, is the only in reason states, to, to get married to yeah. have kids? In Nebraska, the GOP mm -hmm. has uh, publicly stated that its belief is that no-fault divorce should only be for couples that don't have kids. 
Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's it's really like it is. It's truly bleak. Um, I, I think that part of the reason we're talking about this now is because there's this right wing blowhard named Steven Crowder mm-hmm. um, who became a meme because he. This is like what I picture when I picture him. I picture him just like being a sort of um, avatar of like male frustration yeah um and, and sort of a belief that he is better and has more to offer than he does to a like cartoonish degree if he were a character in a in a comedy he would be a very funny funny character um but if you know he's a character in real life and it's not funny at all because a lot of people believe what he says um he recently he's he lives in Texas um and recently his wife filed for divorce from him um and he took to his podcast and was whining about it in a very, you know, ma- manly. He was whining in a, in a very manly way. Um, but he uh, he was upset because he, you know, he was basically saying, your wife can just cheat on you and leave and then she gets half of everything, which is like a way oversimplification. And that's not normally what happens. Um, but then, you know, a couple of weeks later, a video came out that, it really wouldn't matter if Texas had no fault divorce or not because there's video of Crowder berating and being straight up emotionally abusive to his wife, who at the time was pregnant with their twins. She was eight months pregnant. So I don't know what his point is. And his <laughs> wasn't he accusing her of like not doing her wifely duties? I don't know what that means. What does he think? Does I, it's is my it cooking and cleaning? Is that his vibe? My impression or, was that it was sex. My impression was that it was sex. Oh, here I was um, thinking it was dinner. <laughs> look, she's eight months pregnant. Some people are able to have sex throughout their pregnancies, and it's comfortable and fine. Most people are not. Uh, so whatever wifely things he was expecting of her, whether that was like cleaning the house, which when you're all balanced weird like that, it's kind of hard. When <laughs> I you're cannot imagine. Uh, trying to have sex. Uh, there's like one position that works when you're that pregnant, and sometimes that position doesn't feel good. Uh, what what does he like? Gross, 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 dude. She's carrying your children. I just hope that in their divorce settlement, there is a generous trust fund set up to pay for those twins' future extensive therapy. Um, because he seems like a shitty dad, yeah. shitty dad, shitty person, shitty husband. Um. So, you know, what's what's super interesting is that it really wouldn't actually take a yeah. legislative vote to end no-fault divorce in Texas. I mean, we just saw something happen in Texas that yeah. affected the entire country with the uh, Mifeprestone ruling by Judge Matthew Kaczmarek, yep. who is coincidentally a sympathetic judge to the uh, to the no-fault divorce. Shocking. That is so shocking. Team. Yep. Uh, if, a, if, a, if the right plaintiff shopped and uh, made sure that they filed their case in the right district, they could, oh my goodness, just happen to end up having their case in front of Judge so Kaczmarek, um, who could, because of the way the tw- drunk 22-year-old geniuses who founded our country set it up, uh, he could uh, theoretically make no-fault divorce illegal in the state of Texas if, you know, if the right case was filed. So that's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, 
do you think, Alyssa, that it even makes sense for women to get married anymore? No. <laughs> I'm like, no. It's like, why? It's if you kinda, live in any of these doesn't. states, what is the point? You know, everything's a little bit of a risk, right? But if they say that 50% of couples end up getting divorced, which is the stat that's always thrown around, who 50% wants of to... marriages end in divorce. Yes. Which includes second and third marriages. So people that tend to get married a bunch of times also tend to get divorced a bunch of times. It seems so right. So, like, it's not 50% of people. 50% of marriages. Yes. 50% of okay. marriages. So why would you risk it? Why would you put yourself out there to end up before fucking Judge Kazmarek, potentially? I mean, this is... Uh, they really are trying to wind back the hands of time. I, they, it's like, it's crazy because there are ways to incentivize marital partnerships and incentivize having children. Um, I guess if if there were some sort of cultural shift in the way that men are expected to interact in their households um, in terms of contributing to household labor, uh, there's still a lot of stats out there that show that even when women earn more than their husbands outside of the home, they still do the lion's share of the housework. So yeah, I mean, I guess there could be like a culture shift around men actually performing more duties when it comes to uh, housework, house maintenance, childcare. Um, but then also there could be like, you know, legal shifts around the way that that we uh, support parents. We could make parenting easier and less yeah. stressful. Paid um, leave, all kinds of things. All kinds of things. I feel like if parenting were less stressful because of things that we put into place or we refuse to fix, I think the stress that like the system causes families like they take it out on each other. Like it's not right. it's not rocket science. Like you're a family trying to figure out childcare and you've got two kids under 4 and one of them is an infant and you only have like 6 weeks of family leave and every daycare in your neighborhood has a 9 month waiting list. What the fuck are you supposed to do with your baby all day? Somebody's got to quit. Right. Somebody's got It's like the amount of stress that this dumbass system we live in causes, <laughs> like I feel like directly contributes to the divorce rate and to couples being unhappy with each other after they have children and to all manner of problems. Like, fucking fix it, guys. Like, the the answers are right there. Make right it less there. stressful to have Make children. Make it less. It's like, could you just imagine, though, that you're one of these men in Texas and you're like, you know what? The world is just falling apart. You know, no-fault divorce has led to less women being abused, less uh, spousal homicide, less depression, less domestic violence. There's a problem with this law and we should fix it. Like, what? Like, like, like what is that room yeah. of dudes? Like, I don't know. Aaron. It's really – it's reading all of this stuff and doing all this research. It was really hard to fathom that uh, they'll do anything – to control women, okay. including let's ignore just, facts and logic. Well, let's let's just pretend that women are animals because they see us as animals. Anyway. Yeah. Let's say okay. you have a let's say you have a horse, right? Mm -hmm. You have a horse, and uh, the horse lives in a barn, and there's like a giant hornet's nest in the barn, and the hornets kept keep stinging the horse, and the horse is like really upset, mm -hmm. and you're not giving the horse good food, and the horse is kind of sick, and there's not enough sunlight. But, like, the gate of the barn, if the horse pushes against it hard enough, the horse can, like, escape. Mm -hmm. And, like, so the horse escapes all the time because the horse is, like, getting stung. The horse hates being in there. The horse The horse is not living it. its best life. The horse is having a terrible time. And rather than being like, oh, you know what? I'm going to 
take down the, I'm going to knock down the hornet's nest. I'm going to give my horse better food. I'm going to take care of it. You're like, ah, I'm going to lock the gate. Yeah. So the horse can't get out. Like, fuck you. Fuck You're you. You're a terrible horse owner. Let like, the if horse if out. <laughs> let the horse Happy out. Happy or to be the horse in this scenario. Let the horse out or fix the barn. You know? Don't lock yes. the horse in a crappy barn. That's the worst of both worlds, you fucking psychos. Psychos. Anyway. Uh, speaking of psychos, I really want to talk about this. We didn't – I don't want to talk about this, hmm. but we didn't talk about this when it was first in the news. And I really want to put it out there because it is not – it's not like we're moving toward a future where men are trying to use oh. reproductive coercion to control women. We're, it's here. It's here. It might not have come for you or your friends yet, but it's here and it's coming. Um, so there was a man in Texas who I believe we talked about on the mm -hmm. show who sued his wife's friends after they helped her get abortion pills. But the real background of the case was that the man knew his wife had the pills before she took them. He found them in her purse while secretly searching for it. And then he put them back because he wanted her to take it so he could then blackmail her into staying with him. Yep. He also searched his wife's phone and took screenshots of texts between her and her friends who were talking about getting her medication abortion. And then he reported his wife to the police, mm. but not because she wanted to keep him keep her from having an abortion. He just wanted to keep her from divorcing him yeah. after years of emotional abuse. What the fuck? Yeah. He also, uh, this, this man also called his wife a whore in front of her coworkers, right. uh, emotionally tortured her and then, you know, reported her to the police. Um, the, uh, the, the, his lawyer is a man named Jonathan Mitchell, who's a, he's an important quote unquote pro-life <laughs> piece of shit. And he's, he's representing the abusive husband. So like, you know, the pro-life movement likes to pretend that it's all like, you know, Ann Getty's pictures of Oh, God, in cabbage. Like, what? I can smile at six weeks. And it's like, bitch, that's a nine-month-old baby. <laughs> a six-week-old fetus looks like a it's like a it's like a translucent <laughs> flesh tadpole, and it's tiny. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? But uh the, that's not the pro-life movement. The pro-life movement is representing abusive shithole, sh shithole, <laughs> shitheads. Shitholes shit, is good shitheads, too. Shitholes, uh, representing these men that would do anything to abuse their wives into staying. Um, so yeah. Anyway, mm. uh, so that's that's a, that's where we're at with men trying to uh, chase us back into the kitchen kitchen and keep us there forever. Mm -hmm. um, they're really going for it in Texas. Uh, okay, we've got one more story, Alyssa. Yeah, take it away. this is just a quickie. Everyone who needs a mammogram, which is anybody over 40, according to the U.S. Preventative Services Task Force, should go get one. Erin, this was very controversial about 10 or so years ago, back in 2009, when they upped the age for uh, your annual mammogram, your preventative screening, to 50. This was very confusing. It gave insurance companies the running room to deny mammograms to people who couldn't prove uh between the age of 40 and 50, that they had a elevated risk and therefore needed them. This actually was a problem for me when I went to go get my first mammogram. But luckily, Aaron, yeah. I have dense breasts. So I am oh, technically Wait. in a higher risk. 
but wouldn't have known that wait, had I not. Wait, is that not... lucky? Is it, it's lucky? Wait, wait. It's lucky that you're higher risk? Oh, it's lucky that you will actually, your insurance will pay for it. Exactly. Your... Exactly. And okay. that I wow. found out that I have dense breasts, which usually means you have to go and then get an ultrasound after your mammogram to make sure there's nothing living in that dense tissue. Uh, this is very important. Everyone listening, if you are 40, go get your mammogram because 12.9% of women will be diagnosed with breast cancer at some point. So mm-hmm. get your mammogram. Uh, the reason that they actually have gone back and lowered it to 40 is that they don't know why, but they're seeing higher instances of younger women actually developing breast cancer. And one of the reasons, which my doctor had told me, but is worth everybody knowing, is that if you are a woman who has either put off your childbearing or, you know, you've put off having kids or you've decided not to have children, you actually are at an elevated risk for breast cancer. Um, Women of color at elevated risks for breast cancer. So if you're 40, go get your mammogram. Can I just say, I'm not there yet, mm-hmm. um, but uh, we got to, there's got to be a better way than the mammogram. Can't they just go straight to the ultrasound? Okay, so do you know how many times I've asked this? Because, Aaron- Like, why can't, figure, if it, this were men, if men were getting their balls smashed between two plates every year after age 40, you better fucking believe they would figure out something like, better. Like, isn't there just like an MRI situation where they can put us in the tube and just take the pictures? Because I have to uh-huh. tell you, it is honestly fine, but when you have little tiny boobies like I do, it is not comfortable Ugh. getting that mammo. <laughs> I think it is not comfortable, but less comfortable than a mammogram is uh, a cancer diagnosis. 100%. Uh, so, so I put my pink robe on proudly and I'm like... Mush my titty. But, you know, look, I'm just putting it out there, doctors. Please, please figure something out. Please, please, anything. Please figure something anything. out. I, I like wince. Every part of my torso is wincing thinking about getting this done, even though I know when the time comes, I will do it. But I will, I'm gonna have to take myself out to ice cream afterwards. Like I just got blood drawn and I'm a, you know, a well, 12 year old. And here's just my thing, Aaron, about the mammograms and about insurance and about the risk age. The risk age should be a great guidance, right? It's like, okay, none of the women in my family have had breast cancer. So I'm just gonna go at 40, find out what's going on. But like, what does insurance think you're doing? Like, say that you want to get one at 35 or you want to get one at 30. Who the fuck cares? Why won't insurance cover it? How are you scamming the system by getting a mammogram? It's not like you're asking for opioids. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, who is like you're benefiting? Asking for, like, it's not even like you're asking for, like, you know, a, like a mild sedative. Like, I, whatever. You're asking so, to oh. have your boobs squished between two plastic plates, okay? This, who's, yeah. who's gaming the system on this one? I don't know. I wish insurance companies would just, preventative screenings for anything just seem like such a low-cost investment in our health. I don't really understand it, but. I, I just really need to get to a point where we have universal health care so that we can just abolish all insurance companies because fuck them. Fuck them. Fuck them. There's no such thing as liking your insurance. They're literally the middleman. Um, I wanted to say I really hope that moving forward, you know, blaming women for putting off their putting off having children uh, for a rise in breast cancer mm-hmm. rates. I think that there there is like a 
like a link between those yeah. two things. But I don't think that really we've studied enough about uh, we, we haven't really we haven't really done enough research into how what we consume and what touches our food impacts cancer rates, especially totally. breast cancer rates. And so I think that like I just really look, our environment is being poisoned by giant corporations whose leadership and the heirs of the leadership are able to lead comfortable, long, happy lives. And everyone is suffering a little bit as a result of it. And I do think that like the sooner we minimize how much we poison our environment, mm -hmm. the healthier all human beings will be. Um, so yeah, get your mammogram and then, you know, lobby your representatives about no longer dumping poison into the groundwater. Yeah. And with that. <laughs> and with that. Um, oh, wait. I have one more thing. This is kind of like a fun story, but it's not a fun story because of, like, what it ha what happened. Oh. But it's a well, well, well. Do you have a, do you have well, a little well, fuck well. that guy for the group? I've got a fuck that guy. Uh, fuck that guy. Fuck Texas State Representative. We're in Texas a lot this week. Fuck Texas State Representative Brian Slayton. Who is, he is fucking disgusting. Uh, he is one of the leading voices in Texas speaking out against groomers. And by groomers, he means LGBTQ people, uh, drag queens reading books at story hours. You know, anybody that, 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 that targets someone who is young and inexperienced and tries to slowly ready them for a sexual encounter. Oh, wait a second. Brian Slayton himself is a groomer. Um, the House uh, House Committee in Texas wants to expel him because he engaged in an inappropriate sexual relationship with a subordinate who was 19 years old. Yikes! And it went down at his apartment. So gross. He gave the young woman alcohol, mm. and then he had sex with her. I really need, if you're 19 and you're listening to this, if you're 18 and you're listening to this, it is not your fault if your creepy older boss came onto you and you didn't know what to do. Not your mm -hmm. fault. Not your fault. I, I also really want everyone who hasn't had that happen to them to go into adulthood running, thinking, it is not okay for this to happen ever. And it is not a compliment when a man shows me attention like this. And it is not a reflection of me being particularly mature or special. It is this person being a fucking creep. Uh, uh, Slayton was also, uh, he, 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 apparently he allegedly did this with other staffers too. He, um, yeah, he, he was a real family man, uh, 45 year old who had sex with at least one of his staff and also was creepy with several others. And, uh, he's repeatedly declined comment, hmm. but, uh, you fuck that, fuck that fucking guy. Fuck that fucking groomer. Fuck that fucking fuck guy. But here's my him. question, Aaron, if his his wife wanted to divorce him, would the Texas legislature believe that it was a fault-free divorce? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they pretty much proved uh, adultery. Just pretty saying. much proved it. Yep. Well, so they can go ahead and repeal that law, but she can still divorce that motherfucker. motherfucker. All right. And with that, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, personal political. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix zero-sugar hydration drinks replenish electrolytes, 
And their IQ Joe mushroom coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I just like, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast, no dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito, (laughs) not, not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount, text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. This episode of Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Need the perfect Mother's or Father's Day gift? Check out Viore Performance Apparel. Drawing inspo from the coastal California lifestyle, Viore's products inspire others to live vibrant, active lives. I love that they're calling this the coastal California lifestyle. I will embrace that instead of what I thought it was, which was the I only want to wear comfortable clothes lifestyle. Yeah. I have to. I refuse to be uncomfortable I refu- if I want to be productive. <laughs> I refuse to be uncomfortable, but sometimes I have to look like I belong in a respectable place lifestyle, which is like yeah. Viore is perfect for it because they the clothes look fantastic. They fit great. They are so comfortable. I lie down in mine all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, Erin, the women's performance joggers. They have a slim but relaxed fit and are designed with dream knit stretch fabric. I love my joggers. I've slept in mine. I've slept in them. Really? You don't get hot? No. They're very, like, on oh. a, like a couch nap. You know, you have like a, oh yeah. you've got like maybe a half an hour in the afternoon. You're like, ooh, I've got a like small break. I'm very tired. I'm going to just like lay down for 20 minutes. It's yeah. Perfect. Perfect for couch okay. napping. Joggers. I love the leggings. I can work out in them. I can do my errands in them. I can wear them with a proper top to a business meeting. It is not a problem. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you probably could. Just put yeah, a, a totally. blazer and like— Denim shirt. Denim, denim shirt, oh, blazer, yeah. leggings. So easy. 100%. And, of course, the men's core shorts. They have a classic athletic fit, falling just above the knee, while the Sunday performance joggers are made from recycled performance stretch fabric. I got my dad some men's core shorts. He wears them to mow the lawn. 
That's perfect. He is like I think my my dad is one of those people that just like beats the crap out of his clothes. He'll wear them until they're they look like a security blanket that a 30-year-old yep. still has where it's just like a ball of string and you're like, um, Our dads are the same. Yeah, yeah. But um, my dad has had his for like a couple years now and I think I, I saw him wearing them the other week when I met up with um, family on a, on a short weekend trip and they still looked great. It was like, Dad, your clothes still look new. <laughs> so fancy. Viore is offering Hysteria listeners 20% off your first purchase. Get some of the most comfy and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. You'll also enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. All right, people, we all know the stakes of the 2024 election are high, whether it's keeping the Senate, taking back the House, or stopping Republicans at the state level. If you're ready to make a real difference, sign up for Vote Save America's 2024 volunteer program. And just to make it interesting, we're pitting you against each other. Vote Save America will sort you onto a team east or west, and you'll compete with a community of other volunteers to maximize your impact on the ground with opportunities tailored to you and the causes you care about. The team with the highest volunteering staff could secure the biggest prize of all, the continuation of American democracy. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash 2024 now and get ready to organize or else. This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com. And this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. And we're back. You're listening to Hysteria, the podcast that is supportive like a bra, but also freeing like not wearing a bra. <laughs> a- Alyssa. <laughs> Alyssa, I have a question for you. Yes, ma'am. We were uh, – this this lit up the group chat. I feel mm-hmm. like this article lit up many, many group chats uh, over the course of the, the last week. Um, and that's the article, the profile in the New York Times, rebranding – Elizabeth Holmes. She is now Liz Holmes, she says. Liz. And she's she's nice now. Um, do we need to shut down all the Elizabeths until we can figure out what the hell's going on? I mean, look, there are some not great Elizabeths out there, but uh, I don't think that we can let Elizabeth Holmes, Liz Holmes, uh, represent them all. You know what I mean? What if we what if we split the difference and we're like, okay, Elizabeth, you can't go by Liz, but we will let you go by Lizzie, like Lizzie Borden? Maybe. That's a step in a better direction, I think. I think that's a little bit more honest. You do get to change your identity, but it should be an identity that reminds us of an axe murderer. Yes, and I do feel like Elizabeth Holmes and Lizzie Holmes are perfect caricatures of one another. <laughs> Oh, it's, it's like Hannah Montana yeah. and uh, Miley Cyrus. Um, but that's essentially what the piece was kind of mm-hmm. trying to do. Uh, it was trying to paint the Elizabeth Holmes that we all dressed up like for Halloween in 2018 as a character that she'd created. And so I really want to get into whether or not she's owed forgiveness, the mm. bizarreness of the profile, and, uh, you know, whether there's any sexism baked into the way Holmes was treated. And rounding out our panel today is somebody who we always love having join us. She is Crooked's VP of Politics and a longtime friend of Hysteria, Shaniqua McClendon. Welcome back. 
Thank you for having me. Hi. <laughs> so uh, I want to let you get started. Uh, Shaniqua, what did you make of this uh, rebranding of Elizabeth Holmes into Liz Holmes? Do you do you believe it is legit? Um, no. I think it's a legit effort. Uh, sorry, I'm stumbling. It was just, I read the article and I still just have like so many thoughts. But the thing that stuck out the most to me, maybe not the most, but one of the things that initially stuck out to me was the author of the article and how much, I just feel like she blindly walked into this rebrand, not, but not consciously. It's like she really thought that she had it felt like she thought she was friends with Elizabeth by the end of it. But then she ends the article with, no, I'm a journalist. I can't come back here. I declined the invitation to be friends. But the whole article was, ooh, I'm hanging out with her. She's so normal. Uh, we got this food this day. And I don't know. It just, she revealed so much that I felt like it didn't feel like real journalism. Um, so Shaniqua, you know who the, the author is, right? Amy Chozik? So I don't know. I saw people talking crap about her, but I don't actually know that much about her. So Amy Chozik covered the Hillary Clinton campaign in 2016. She was like the main Times voice covering the Hillary Clinton campaign, which is why the piece, another reason that the piece was kind of like surprising to me Mm. because Chozik like knows her shit. Like she knows what she's doing. She wrote The Girls on the Bus. Mm -hmm. Um, She's like really a smart, savvy journalist and writer, which makes me think that maybe Elizabeth slash Liz Holmes is a more powerful manipulator than any of us could have imagined. I took notes as I read. My last note was, or second to last, uh, was basically that this woman got conned by a con artist um, and she just (laughs) kind of fell for it in the end. Um, well, at least she didn't invest any money in a new company. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> yeah. Always smarter um, than the men. Yeah. <laughs> Alyssa, what did you what did you make of this whole rebrand effort uh, from Elizabeth to Liz? Do you buy it? Is it real? Erin, this is the hardest of abso-fucking-lutely <laughs> knots for me. The hardest. Okay, guess, you know what? Bernie Madoff and Bernard Madoff are the same fucking person. (laughs) So are Liz and Elizabeth. And you know what? When I read this, the one thing that I felt like was spectacularly fucking missing from it is the harm she did. This wasn't some dipshit who had an app that that tells you how to go. She wasn't Adam Newman. Adam mm-hmm. Newman is like a reprehensible person. Yeah. But what he did didn't take people's health care into their fucking uh-huh. hands. In a world, in a country where our healthcare system is so devastatingly broken, and mm-hmm. you see people who are hungry, who are desperate for low-cost healthcare options and alternatives. And she presented them with one. And it's like, we have, I don't know, have we forgotten that she lied about people's fucking blood results? That people were told they had cancer when they didn't have cancer and were probably told they didn't have cancer when they did have cancer. Mm -hmm. This is so appalling. Like what she did was not just some fucking Ponzi scheme that the founders do. And, you know, she was not... uh, Tom fucking Brady losing money on crypto. This was someone who created something that did irreparable damage to people and to an industry and provided false hope in a world where, like, there isn't much. And so fuck her. And I'm glad she had kids. And I'm glad she's probably going to some upscale prison. But, like, do I think that she found God? 
through the whole thing, all she did was make excuses. She Mm -hmm. blamed being a woman and how she had to adopt the voice and she had to do. You know what? Maybe part of that's true, but it's not what made you lie about whether your blood testing machine worked or not. You know, that is to me, fuck her, fuck the profile. Like, it's, it is, if in this instance to me, I think she's actually getting a pass because this, uh, the world is harder on women, but she also did something which is not fair. Uh, I mean, it's not, it's, it shouldn't be true, but it probably is true that the amount of money she went and got from old white men who invested in her blindly because probably sometime in history they didn't buy Facebook stock and they're like, I'm <laughs> still going to get the big one, even though I'm rich. I still want to be richer. And they, uh, they invested in her, but you know what? probably a lot fucking harder for women to go out and raise capital after what she did because everyone's looking for an excuse to not invest in women and people of color and she gave them an excuse so fuck her yeah Yeah, Mm -hmm. and just one other thing to add on to that um there's there's a section where it says uh there's an unspoken lesson for female executives you're allowed to be successful but not too successful one she wasn't successful (gasps) Two, exactly. The whole the, the whole thing was a lie. It wasn't that she created something <laughs> that just needed a little bit more hope. It actually did not work. And so I don't think you can take what she At what all. happened to her, which is she got Ever. caught lying, and then say now yeah. women are just set back because we can't lie the same. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's just bizarre. Well, Shaniqua, what's really funny is I had that exact pull quote up. I wish I could like show you my screen. I'm looking at it right now. And that was like the next thing I was going to say. That was from a letter that one of her sorority sisters wrote um, to the judge who presided over um, over Holmes's trial. Um, and what it made me think of is, you know, I think that social media takes every legitimate criticism of women, feminism, uh, et cetera, whiteness, et cetera, and oftentimes figures out a way to extract the misogyny and then, Mm -hmm. like, spit it back. Like, complaining about white women liking things or white feminism is a lot of times just people complaining about women or people complaining about feminism. But this was a case where I was like, whoa, this is like white feminism run (laughs) on muck. Like, this is exactly the original version of what it was, which was, like, the use of femininity as a shield to defend privilege Mm -hmm. like unbelievable privilege and terrible behavior um i do think one of the points that they're making um but they're coming at it from the wrong side is like well men get away with this right and they do but they shouldn't exactly nobody should get away with (laughs) exactly it's (laughs) nobody should get away with and but also i feel like what she did was so more a so much more egregious because yeah. it was about people's health. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Did did Adam Newman r- run some sort of nut-nut, you know, uh, investor scheme at WeWork? Yeah, sure. You know, Travis, all these other founders, are they terrible? Sure, they're terrible. But she, she yeah. was dealing with blood. She was taking people's blood. Like, yeah. she had people's blood. There's Their products work. Like, it wasn't like, it's <laughs> not like Uber created... Uh, cars, self-driving cars that were crashing into walls and killing everyone. You know, she... No, that's just Elon Musk. She knew what she was doing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) She knew what she was doing. And it it just... uh, Aaron, like you said, like, there's a lot of things that women go through, but 
all I could think about in this moment, and I think it's because of the news that came out yesterday that Senator Feinstein is headed back to D.C., it's all I could think about that there's been all of these claims of sexism because people want her to resign and people want a fully functioning sen- senator to represent, you know, um, a state that has 20 million so many, people. Yeah, so many people L- in it. Little, and, I mean, there's 40 million people in California. She yeah. is an like an, an inept representation of exactly. half of us. It, and because she's a woman, we just, we just have to take it. Be happy you have a woman senator. Like, it literally makes no sense. And it's, to me, you know, if if there's any, like, real victim here, it's all the people who are legitimately using feminism to make claims and causes for women to just have it reduced down to feminism means women can do whatever they want, good or bad. Which, where does that leave us? Because the people who end up getting away with it are white women. It's not marginalized women who are able... A black woman would not get away with this, you know? Just... I'm thinking about the the smaller things that black women have gone to, to prison and jail for. Um, story from years ago about a woman who sent her kids... Uh, to school in a different zip code using, I think, her parents' address or something, and she went to jail, or voting unknowingly. And where, you know, where's their redemption story? Where's the truth behind Mm. where they, where and how they got to where they are? But here we are with this New York Times profile of this normal (laughs) woman who made some mistakes, and mistakes aren't illegal. And, like, the life that she's living right now is, like, good. As I was reading the article, yes. I was like, where is she getting money? They're, like, yeah. talking about how she, you know, they're moving around all the time. They're in a, re- but then they're in a rental by the Pacific Coast. So, mm-hmm. okay, well, that, you know, I, you can't, like, pay for that in, in hugs and smiles. Like, how are you <laughs> paying for that? And about three quarters of the way through the article, it mentioned that her husband is, like, a hotel heir. Yeah. Or something, and it's like, oh, she's yeah. look. I, I don't want to speculate about their marriage, but I feel like she's conned literally everybody in her life as an adult, and so like that just seems like a savvy move by a woman who like yes that she a twenty five year old on her. she met yeah. I, look, I don't want to. Uh, yeah, I, I do. Th- I do think that like the preponderance of evidence, which we were discussing in news, the preponderance of evidence is I think that it is more likely than not likely that somebody who has a long history of conning and scamming and doing whatever it takes to make the most possible money with absolutely no regard for who she hurts might have done that again at some yeah. point. Um, Alyssa, to to tag on to what you were saying about the healthcare thing um, and how much it's set back both like women and people of color who are trying to get money. You know, Adam Newman, speaking of somebody who, you know, is is like a bit of a, a bit of a fuck around, um, just raised like $300 million yeah, from yeah. like a, a VC. I mean, when yeah. I say just, I mean, within the last year he raised, yeah. he was, somebody gave him another $300 million. The man has a track record of fucking up and people were like, mm, he's probably got it handled. Um, <laughs> people who are in any way marginalized white pe- or white women to an extent but more so anybody who is not a white person women of color have a really difficult time getting vc money to start companies in the first place um and i and i feel like you know with with interest rates as high as they are and how expensive it is to borrow money um for anybody trying to start a business that's only going to get worse yeah and liz holmes did so much she did so much damage also to Okay, so I'm, like, a person who's always been terrified of getting my blood drawn. Mm-hmm. Like, terrified. Mm-hmm. And you know that, like, now that endeavor, like, maybe we can figure this out by taking less blood, is, like, poisonous. Totally. Nobody gets to try that idea anymore. Yep. She, she ruined it. ruined it. 
Shaniqua, do you think it's possible for someone like Elizabeth Holmes to get a second chance? Like, what penance would she have to pay in order for you to believe that she genuinely is trying to be a good person? I mean, to not invent, like, to not have profiles, to, like, not get all this attention. I mean, I think she just needs to go, go to jail, come out, and just live her life not in the spotlight. The article ends with her saying she still has all these ideas that she wants to work on in the healthcare space. And it's like, can you not kill people? No, like, ma'am. what is next? No, ma'am. <laughs> so, I, you know, I honestly no. think she she just needs to let it go. Um, I, yeah. And again, like thinking about all the male entrepreneurs who have done shady stuff that's probably illegal and haven't hurt anyone. It's, yeah, I... I I don't know. Like, I'm not someone who's, like, big on jail. So, and I don't, honestly, reading the profile, I don't think that's going to affect her. I think she's probably going to con some people in jail. And by the time she gets out, like, she's going to have a little cult following in there. Um, A hundred percent. But she just needs to go away. She needs to go away. That's what she needs to do. Did you, Mm -hmm. and did we, did we take away from that article that she's actually not going to prison right now? Like, she was supposed to go. There was this whole wind-up that she was going to have to report on April 27th. But she got, and they're appealing, and she's asked to be free during her appeal. And that seems to be the case. So, again, a privilege that would not be afforded to everyone. And they waited last minute to do the appeal, I think, so that it would be right up against when she was supposed to go in. And one other thing I just wanted to respond to that you said, Erin, about, you know, women and people of color not having as much access to VC money they they don't even have access to like a good life like you know they don't even have access to the assumption that they are um innocent when when something happens and so the thought that they would even get anywhere near what she's been able to do is just pretty impossible to even think it would happen yeah oh you yeah, know what else that's, that's a really good point sorry this part also really stuck in my craw as my mother would say um when they go on about how when when uh the reporter goes on about how poor Liz was socially stunted because when other kids were 20 and out going to parties, that she was there doing very serious work. Could, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Being socially stunted is now an excuse for a multi-million dollar scam? What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I just, yeah. it felt like there were so many parts in the profile where we were supposed to have some sympathy or worse empathy for her and like like the pic did you notice that like in the picture it looks like she's breastfeeding but she's not like why yeah so weird the weirdest thing they're hiding the hiding the kids faces from the camera the kids face they're not having their kids faces be public right she could have done it a different way (laughs) i i was like oh but yeah no it's there that's I think that's like legit. <laughs> not having all right, all right, all right. I mean, I agree with the kid's face not being on camera, yeah. but but you she definitely like had to have them something. in the photo. She definitely <laughs> had to have them in the photo so yes. people would know she was a mother. Yeah, and therefore had, had been redeemed. I think that that might might be also some like clever art directing and photo directing for the the editors at the New York Times because it did seem like like really what Elizabeth wants is to be viewed as this sort of like yeah maternal yeah. loving soft figure and 
And so having her hold her baby in that position that, that moms often hold, sometimes like, I don't know, when, when Juniper was little, sometimes I would just hold her down there because it would calm her down to just be close to a boob. She'd be right. like, ah, great. This is my, my pal. Um, <laughs> so, but, but like that pose is a choice. And I think that it contributes to some of what was so uh, provocative about the New York Times profile. Um, I, I did find something really telling. There was a moment in the article where, hang on one second, let me pull it up. Of course, Ms. Holmes also tried to control the story, often with scorched earth tactics. She's typically docile, but got visibly upset when I asked about how the lawyer, David Boys had mm. threatened litigation against people who spoke negatively about Theranos. Alex Schultz, the father of the Theranos employee turned whistleblower Tyler Schultz and the son of George Schultz, told the court that Tyler, quote, slept with a knife under his pillow every night, thinking that someone was going to come and murder him in the night. Okay, so look, I'm not a therapist, all I know about narcissism is what I've read on Wikipedia and seen on TikTok, <laughs> and a lot of the, a lot of that information is dubious at best. But one thing that a lot of people with disordered responses, emotional responses, do is when you get close to the truth, they react with anger. They try to mm -hmm. scare you away from the truth, and the fact that she got visibly upset. When she was confronted with something that she had participated in, yeah. in an attempt probably to like convince the reporter to stay away from that, mm -hmm. uh, that's fucking manipulative. Totally, that's yeah, manipulative. You want to talk to a reporter, answer their questions. Like, yeah. you know, you're coming to a reporter and you want them to write about you. You you have answer their questions. Um, yeah, that to me was very telling, and that to me made me think that like, like I said, I have I have a lot of faith in Chozik as a reporter and writer. Totally. I think she's savvier than um, some interpretations of this article like have led people to believe. And her inclusion of that to me felt like she was trying to signal to yeah. the readers that she's still kind of like unhinged. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. I mean, I didn't come away from the article thinking that it was that she was completely like it wasn't a full on puff piece. But right. it was very mm -hmm. much in favor of Elizabeth Holmes kind of us seeing – it provided a lot more middle ground um, than I think is necessary for someone who did something as bad as what she did. Like, we don't need to consider that she's somewhere in the middle of, you know, this innocent teenager who's 35 but hasn't grown, you know – <laughs> mentally enough to actually be a 35-year-old. And that, you know, that's one end of the spectrum. And the other end of the spectrum is she's a psycho and she's like somewhere in the middle. I think she is closer mm -hmm. to someone who is really smart, um, manipulative, and knew how to get over on people and quite frankly, used sexism in her favor. Like, I, I'm sure there's a lot of, a lot of the men who gave her that money. Um, one could argue that if, if those men were sexist, they wouldn't have given her the money at all. But maybe they were sexist in the way that they thought she couldn't con them out of their money. You know, why did mm. they write those mm -hmm. huge checks? And then, That's a good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just, you know, not believing a woman could pull one over on them. That they saw what she presented. They were smart. And so it made sense. And so it must have been right. And so I always, we touched on this already, but I just hate when, um, well, I don't always hate it, but in this instance, I hate <laughs> when uh, patriarchy is just used uh, to to shield women from the accountability that all of us should have. Absolutely. But you know what? Who uses that in a way that I think is like genius? Hmm. You know, the reporter Lauren Windsor? 
the, oh, she's yeah, a reporter yeah. who she's the one who gets like conservatives to say absolutely fucking wild oh. shit <laughs> mm-hmm. into a recorder. Um, it, she's she's great. We should actually have her on the show. Um, but what she does is she just is like a pretty blonde woman, and she'll mm-hmm. wear like a red MAGA cap, and she'll like ask them questions that lead yeah, them yeah. to believe that she's like on their side. Like, what do you think about? You know, she'll use their their like key phrases. Like, she'll right. call you know migrants uh, illegals. You know, she will she will talk about you know she'll say abortionists. You know, she'll say words that yeah. that they interpret as like, oh, this person couldn't possibly be lying to me because she's a pretty blonde white lady in a MAGA hat. And she just like over and over again is able to get them to say insane things. I think that is using patriarchy and those low expectations for good. Holmes probably used them for evil. Um, This is all kind of bringing me to the the George Santos uh, Mm. of it all too. And Shaniqua – I'm curious what you make of the fact that he's now, as of Wednesday morning, he's in custody um, facing federal charges. Do you think that George Santos will get more chances than we are willing to give Elizabeth Holmes? Um, That is interesting. Um, I don't. Honestly, I don't think so. I I think everyone is over him and he's been just kind of like evading accountability and it's finally like knocked on his door. Uh, And the unfortunate part is I don't think he's going to not be given more chances because he doesn't deserve them. I think Republicans are going to be happy that he is finally off of their hands and it's politically advantageous to just kind of, you know, shuffle him out. Uh, But, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever it takes. Yeah. He was also doing like scams that were involving dogs. And, and yeah. that was, I mean, what's what depths of depravity does one need to have to have yeah. fake? He raised that motherfucker raised money for a veterans. I think I have this right. A veterans dog that was dying of yeah. cancer, and then didn't give him the money, yeah. and the That's dog bad. died of cancer. Like it's bad. What? That's pretty bad. Fuck. I mean, like, I feel as though the scale of Elizabeth Holmes' deception was, like, much more massive and and severe and serious. But the actual bite of the individual story involving a dying dog and a traumatized veteran it's like yeah. oh my god all he's gonna do is kick a baby and it's it's tic-tac-toe of nobody's yeah. ever gonna forgive you no man. and he had um, the nerve to but, run for congress i think that is the part that people are just like no one was paying attention to you did all of this crazy stuff and then you got elected to congress in a competitive district so i mean okay that's not what's at the top of the list but you know we're hanging yeah. on Still. by it or- no i think i think that it's really important that like over the next couple years we as progressives and of people who care about like decency mm-hmm. really come yeah. out against the audacity mm-hmm. we yes. need to come out against the audacity yes. <laughs> like the audacity of liz holmes like the audacity the f- of Elizabeth dopes. Holmes- I had to. I had to. It was such low-hanging fruit. Oh, my God. I mean, that's really the culprit, isn't it? It's the audacity. And and sometimes that's all it takes in America to succeed. Well, I need to uh, get some. I need to get some I know. Yeah. Let's get some signs. Uh, Let's get some WGA picketing style signs that say (laughs) audacity with like an X. (laughs) All right. We're going to take a quick break. Shaniqua, stick around. We have a really, really wildly positive final segment for everybody. And I'm really excited.
All right, people, we all know the stakes of the 2024 election are high, whether it's keeping the Senate, taking back the House, or stopping Republicans at the state level. If you're ready to make a real difference, sign up for Vote Save America's 2024 volunteer program. And just to make it interesting, we're pitting you against each other. Vote Save America will sort you onto a team east or west, and you'll compete with a community of other volunteers to maximize your impact on the ground with opportunities tailored to you and the causes you care about. The team with the highest volunteering staff could secure the biggest prize of all, the continuation of American democracy. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash 2024 now and get ready to organize or else. This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com. And this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. Guys, it's been a rough year going to get rougher and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet you could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender do your worst but we have a better idea for you which is pick out something from the crooked store the store is stocked with tons of new merch it's perfect for the spring and classics like the friend of the pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship depending on how things go pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year or a hat celebrating your favorite pod go to crooked.com store to shop Welcome back. You're listening to Hysteria, the podcast that just this once is going to end on a nice warm hug instead of a petty session. So let's start with our wildly positive final segment. Uh, The reason I wanted to do this in the first place is that this is apparently Woman Week. Uh, It is Teacher Appreciation Week. It is National Nurses Week. And Mother's Day is on Sunday. Now, of course, there are like many other jobs that are primarily women. Um, I actually met a dietitian this week who reminded me of, first of all, the importance of dietitians within healthcare Mm -hmm. systems. And secondly, that they are massively underpaid and they're almost all Women. So shout out to dietitians, even though it's not your week. I just wanted to to give her a hat <laughs> tip. Um, but I also want to give a hat tip to nurses. Nurses are uh, 2% of the American workforce. That is a lot. There are 4.2 million RNs in this country, mm. 950,000 uh, licensed uh, LPNs in the U.S. Uh, there are four times as many nurses in the U.S. than doctors. Um Their work is completely essential. When I was working in a nursing home, the nurses knew more about the patients than the doctors did, to be completely honest. And they were often um, disrespected and ignored, and they really had to be completely tough and speak up. And they were always fierce advocates for their uh, for their patients. Um, nurses are also really important in the labor movement right now. They're organizing all over the country. Um, nurses unions are winning their members fair contracts and, and humane pay and working conditions. Um, we're still experiencing a shortage of nurses. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, it's, it's not, it is a job that is not thankless, but it is a job that is increasingly treated uh, by a lot of people as something that that doesn't have, have value, and it does. It is without without nurses, this country would completely fall apart. So I want to give a shout out to nurses, also teachers. Everybody knows my mom. Uh, she's a high school administrator now, but she was a teacher for most of my childhood. Uh, I think there's something really special 
about what makes a teacher, teachers, kids. Got a couple uncles who are teachers, got a couple aunts who are teachers. Um, my sister's a teacher. They work their butts off. They care so much about their students. They do so much more work than they need to do because they want to. Um, I think that in a lot of states, they're being treated with a lot of disrespect mm -hmm. and the amount of bravery and backbone it takes for them to wake up every morning and go to work and focus on their students rather than all the fuckery in state governments is really admirable. So teachers, shout out to you and everything you do. And shout out to Alyssa's mom and everybody who works in schools that isn't yes. a teacher. 27 um, years. 27 years? Yep. Wow. 27 oh my goodness. Years. Um, Really important people, really important work, primarily feminine professions, although male teachers obviously exist and do a great job. Um, but I just I just really want to, you know, give it up to teachers, give it up to nurses. You guys are the best. And uh, I this country would fall apart without you. Absolutely. Um, so that's that's my little uh, super positive hat tip. Um, Alyssa, what, what do you want to give a super positive shout out to? Here's my super positive shout out. You guys, it is Girl Scout cookie season. The Girl Scouts are everywhere. They're selling cookies. And I read, I have always heard about Troop 6000, but I, I now know the origin story of Troop 6000. Troop 6000 in New York City was founded by Giselle Burgess. Uh, six years ago, she was working for the Girl Scouts of America when she um, fell on hard times and had to move into a shelter. And so she went to the Girl Scouts and said, can I start a troop? So she started Troop 6000, which was for girls experiencing homelessness or living in shelters. Um, the money that they raise from selling the cookies pays for all of the girls to go on trips, camp. It pays for their activities. And you know what? She has helped sell over one, over like I think a million and a half dollars of Girl Scout cookies. She has opened Troop 6000 up to immigrants and asylum seekers who are in the U.S. She has over 2,500 women and girls across 20 shelters, and they have opened up across uh similar chapters have opened up across the country. And I just think as someone who never made it past Brownie because she couldn't sell her fucking cookies. Um, <laughs> I think it's just like a wonderful thing. And and uh, one of the news organizations did a big profile piece on her, which was wonderful. And you can just see the joy and camaraderie it brings to these women and kids who are out there, like selling their cookies and going to state parks and learning skills. And it's just fucking gorgeous. So shout out to Giselle Burgess. Oh, amazing. And I bought Shaniqua. cookies from Troop 6000. And if you Google Troop 6000, uh, you can actually buy cookies and donate them to shelters in New York, which I did because it felt good. Amazing. That's that awesome. is a great tip. We'll put a link to that in our yeah. show notes. Um, Shaniqua, what is uh, your wildly positive final segment? Shout out. My uh, wildly positive shout out um is to mothers as you mentioned mother's day is coming up on sunday um i actually lost my mother um uh, 13 years ago well it'll be 13 years in july um and i think i was like 22 years old and it really you know her friends her women friends kind of came around me and my sisters and just really filled in a lot of gaps um a, a lot of women in my life my my best friend um from high school her mother like just so many women came around and said you know your mother's not here, but we are. And since then, I mean, even before then, but since then, I've just had a lot of amazing women kind of fill in the gaps for me. And so I want to say thank you to all of them. And just a reminder to everyone, 
who has maybe lost their mother or grandmother or a woman who who raised you, uh, any guardians that, um, you know, you can look elsewhere for the support that you need. It's not always going to be the same, but there are a lot of women out there who will make the difference. And some of them are not even older than you. I have friends um, who are mothers and just even watching them and the way that they are with their children. Um, but specifically, I would like to shout out my grandmother um, and also a woman named Judge Terrell who... Um, has been a mentor to me for some time. Her name's Judge Mary Terrell. Even her kids call her judge. Um, but <laughs> she runs an organization called the High Tea Society. I met her when I was interning at the White House. She was one of the volunteers in the Office of Correspondence. And she asked me to come speak to her students about going to college, all young women from D.C., and then the next thing I knew, I was planning a fundraiser for her. And I mean, she just like kind of put me to work. Um, but when my mother died, her and her family were really there for me. She like gave me a job while I was trying to find a job before I started working on the Hill and has just continued to be, you know, just an amazing person to me. Um, and now that I'm back in D.C., I get to see her more. So um, just kind of a shout out to all the mothers, but all the women who are stepping in to help those of us whose, whose mothers aren't here anymore. Shaniqua, thank you so much. I um, am che- I'm tearing up. Yeah, a me bit. too. Uh, that was really sweet. Uh, Shaniqua McClendon, thank you so much for joining Thanks us and for, for that me. really lovely tribute. Alyssa Mastermonico, thank you for being my ride or die. Listeners, thank you for tuning in. If you like what you're hearing, please tell your friends to listen. Leave us a nice review and rate us so other people can find this podcast. And there will be more hysteria for you next week. Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Reston is our senior producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. And Alyssa Mastromonaco is our co-producer. Fiona Pestana is our associate producer. The show is engineered and edited by Jordan Cantor. Our video producers are Rachel Gajewski and Megan Patzel. Thank you to Gabrielle Leverett-Diaz, Ewa Okulate, Amelia Montooth, Adia Hill, and David Tolls for production support every week. Don't forget to follow us at Crooked Media on Instagram and Twitter for more original content, host takeovers, and other community events. Hey there, listeners. I want to recommend a superlative Supreme Court podcast to help bring clarity in these confounding times. Amicus is a podcast from Slate about the law, the Supreme Court justices who interpret it, and the broader U.S. justice system. It's hosted by Dahlia Lithwick, who's been watching the high court for two decades and brings all of that experience and knowledge to examining the judicial system and our democracy. Dahlia is joined by guests with deep knowledge of the law and policy who will help guide you through the confirmation hearings on the Hill and voting rights battles in the courts. Slate's Amicus Podcast. Subscribe now wherever you listen.